Welcome back to Sermon Notes. Michael here alongside Garland, and we've got the book of Daniel open in front of us. And uh, Garland, uh, we've got a separate edition of Sermon Notes that just deals with the intro to Daniel. And so um, we might we might review a little bit of that, and then let's let's jump right into Daniel chapter one. Yeah, we should we should apologize for the length and uh, deep dive of the intro episode, but it's important. We have to have it. Uh, we have to understand that stuff. Yeah, we're we're, we're diving in. So, chapter one um, is an introductory chapter to the book of Daniel, and so just like it introduces us to this book, it's going to introduce us to this series. Um, and some of the stuff that we covered in the intro section will be really applicable here. So, the first five verses, basically, go listen to the intro episode, and you'll see that's exactly what we're talking about. Here they go. They're brought into exile. Uh, the they're nobles. They're 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 handsome, uh, and they want to they want to assimilate them. They want to indoctrinate them to Babylonian culture, and that sets the stage for the action of chapter one, which is really going to be, in some sense, the action of Jews in exile. I mean, it's really going to be uh, a great starter kit for what does it look like to follow Yahweh even in exile, and that's going to be what the book of Daniel is all about. And so. Um, if you see here, verse 5, we are told that part of the king's strategy is, well, let's teach them, let's inform them, let's be kind to them, let's get them used to our literature and what we do and our culture. And by the way, let's give them the best stuff to eat, the best stuff to drink, um, and do that for three years. Let's see what happens. That's our setting. That's our background for what's uh, going to take place. And um, then what we see is a very fascinating twist, and it's what Daniel chapter 1 is all about. Um, Verse 8, we see that Daniel, just the NIV says this way, Daniel resolved not to defile himself. He made up his mind. He had an attitude to say, that is something I will not participate in. He resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Now, it doesn't tell us why. There's, there's two main reasons that scholars suggest as to why he refuses the food. The most obvious would be um, it's, it wouldn't be kosher. It would not fit the Jewish dietary uh, regulations. And so Daniel goes, I can't eat that. It's not kosher. It doesn't comport to how we eat. And we even see that in, in modern you know, uh, Jewish people following kosher law even to this day. And so one option is it wasn't kosher. A second option is uh, most meat in the ancient world was... Uh, it came from the temple, we might say, or the temples. And so uh, most cultures had lots and lots of gods and lots and lots of temples that they needed to appease. And so one of the way you, ways you appease that god is you bring a sacrifice. And that sacrifice can be some kind of a grain. It can be money. It can be uh, some kind of a, a liquid or wine or something like that. And oftentimes it was an animal sacrifice. And so what do you do with all that? meat after you sacrifice it. Well, it gets taken to the market. It gets taken to the king. It gets taken to uh, the community and the, the priest, the people, the king, they all eat it. And so um, perhaps Daniel's not eating the food because um, it's been sacrificed on an altar to one of the Babylonian gods. We're not sure why, but either way, Daniel, he says, I won't eat it. Um, and what we're going to do as we walk through this, I think this will serve you guys as you uh, think through this in community group or in discipleship or just even your personal study. If you're just listening to sermon notes, just uh, as somebody trying to follow along in the text that we're teaching, this is going to introduce us. Chapter one, I'm going to call it uh, the way. So Mandalorian fans out there. This is the uh, way. This is the way. I actually have a, this is, I mean, this is going to take me to a level of dork that I don't think I want to go to, but I have this vision that by the time we're finished with Daniel chapter one, that fellowship 
people would see each other at the, you know, at the square, at their workplace, at the gym, and just look at each other and go, this is the way. And they would know exactly what that means. Um, that's not going to happen, although that would be pretty cool. Um, <laughs> so yes, I, I actually, that's my goal at the end of this sermon this week is that fellowship people would start saying, this is the way to each other. And what is the way? So let's look at it. Um, this is going to, I think this would make for a really helpful uh, small group discussion. I want to give you three things that make up the way. The first uh, thing that makes up quote unquote, the way, as I'm calling it, uh, is this. We see that Daniel and his friends, they resolved to resist the values, the idols of that culture. And they do so courageously. Um, as the chapter unfolds, uh, they, they have to go to the, the, the king's officials and say, um, we won't do it. And in fact, they, they put their, themselves on the line. Uh, test it. We won't do it. You can test us. Um, you can, the king could get angry with us, but we will not um, we will not defile ourselves with the things of the culture. Um, for a Jew in ancient uh, in, in exile, an ancient uh, Israelite Jew, that's really important. We don't compromise on the things that are important to us. Uh, you described it well as who who are we and what do we stand for? And Daniel says, "I know who I am. I'm a Yahweh man, and I won't I, I won't stand for this. It's not part of what it means to follow Yahweh." They do so courageously. So the way, the first thing is they courageously resist. The second thing, though, is notice what he does. Uh, Daniel is so um, kind about it. He asks for permission. He asks the official to go ask the king. We're going to see as the story unfolds that he is elevated to a place of prominence in the Babylonian court. He's a part of the culture. He's brought into a, a position of high rank, even it seems. And we're even told that the king is so impressed with Daniel and his friends. He's like, they're 10 times better than everybody else I've got around me. So our second part of the way, first is they courageously resist the idols. The second though is they practically seek the good of the culture of Babylon. They, 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 they don't shun the culture. They don't um, run against them and fight the culture. They're willing to be placed even in a place of high rank, even in a, a pagan court. And they do so with skill and integrity. That's, that's telling. Um, and the third thing they do, and we see this in chapter one, is uh, that Daniel says, you can give us vegetables and watch what happens. They have this humble trust that Yahweh really will deliver them and that Yahweh's in control. So the way, what is the way? They courageously resist the idols of culture. They know who they are and what makes them who they are. And yet, they, they live in such a way in that culture that is charitable, with integrity, with uh, practical ways of seeking the good of the culture. And then they trust that Yahweh is in control. This actually brings us to uh, maybe the model that was given to the ancient Israelites as they went into exile. It comes from Jeremiah chapter 29. Uh, there's a famous verse in Je Jeremiah 29. It's probably in people's homes listening to this, on, usually in the bathroom on a plaque or something. Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, to harm you. Now that verse is in a context. The context is you're going into exile, it's going to get rough. Yeah. Um, it actually says, this is the letter that Jeremiah sent to the exiles. And what does he say? He tells them exactly the same blueprint, the same way, the way that we see here in Daniel. He says, uh, seek the peace of that culture. Plant vineyards. Uh, establish yourself there. You have to get along and be good citizens there. If it prospers you, prosper. Pray for it. But he says, don't, 
Don't trust the bad, the, the, the lying prophets or the lying leaders who would tell you to get to that you have to assimilate with the culture. Don't assimilate, but be be kind and hey, trust Yahweh has plans for you to prosper you, not to harm you. This is the way of the exile. And what I would think would be a fascinating discussion as y'all, as you meet with somebody across a coffee shop table, talk to your kids about this or have a community group on this is, okay, that's ancient uh, Babylonian context. What does it look like to embody the way in the modern cultural context? And if you think about it, um, we live in a, a, a Western kind of post-Christian culture, increasingly so, um, here in America. And oftentimes, it seems that there are three primary ways that Christians have interacted with it. Here's, and here's the options that I think are going to be missteps. We can, um, we can settle into the culture. Compromise, like just look like everybody else, go with its values, go with its norms. Um, or we can try to remove ourselves from the culture, like uh, completely run away and, uh, you know, hole up alone and not engage the culture. I call that the fortress mentality. Yeah, fortress, de- fortress up, don't let any... Or we can war against the culture with hostility and anger and kind of fight, fight fire with fire. And I think all of those would be missteps. Those would not be embodying the way. What would make for a fascinating, and I've been asking myself this question is, um, in what ways am I uh, settled into the culture? In what ways have I, am I eating the king's food, so to speak? That's a hard question for me to answer, um, especially as I think through the, the materialism of our culture, um, the way that we interact with our values, and uh, it's just, just that's, a, that's a hard question to answer. It might be a really helpful community group discussion. The second one, though, is a second question would be, do I seek the good of the culture? Um, would I be willing to serve the king in that sense? And that might look, we have a, a public sphere where that takes place. We have our job sphere where that takes place, our neighborhood sphere, our hobbies, all that. Am I willing to seek the good of the culture around me? Um, that's a hard question to answer. And do I trust that actually Yahweh really is in control and is bringing about his king and his kingdom? Those right there, I think, would make for an excellent discussion as y'all read through Daniel 1. Um, Daniel 1, we're going to spend a lot of time on Sunday doing some intro to the book. Um, And I just want to introduce the way, the way of what I'm going to call it the way of faithful presence. So faithful, we we courageously resist. We're faithful to Yahweh, faithful to our King, faithful to Jesus, but present, um, seeking the good, seek the the peace of the city you're in. Um, The way of faithful presence. Um, let's, let's embody that. Um, and that's where we're going to go this week. Um, and so uh, I, I know we're not getting it. This is a little bit less um, sermon notesy than normal. Normally we try to answer things that maybe we didn't have time to talk about in the text. Um, we're going to get tons of that with Daniel. So I'm not worried about that. I wanted to introduce this to our people um, and we'll do, we'll do this as well on Sunday. Yeah. You can probably imagine what my addition is going to be. Um, I'm going to play the same card I always play. What you're describing is so much easier to do in community. And even in Daniel 1, yes, Daniel's the spokesperson. Yes, Daniel's the one who resolves himself. But he's actually got three buddies who are willing to participate with him. And I think for us to remember, especially as you discuss this in your community group, how can our group, how could our church, um, how could Fellowship Fayetteville 
bless the culture around us. And it's a lot easier to do um, with partners and people to stand beside you and encourage you, um, Hebrews 10, um, than it is to just step out on your own. In, in a culture, uh, we're not in ancient Babylon, so I'm, I'm not saying that that's, that's the same. But in a culture that doesn't understand and has different values, how do we both know, I like how you said earlier, whose we are and what does it mean to follow Jesus as king but to do so in a winsome way that is practically seeking to bless the city that we're in. Um, and what would happen if our community groups, our church, our churches, Jesus followers in Fayetteville, uh, followed the way? You know, what might happen if we followed the way of faithful presence? Um, that's the kind of thing I've been thinking about as I've been working with Daniel Wan. And uh, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to ask. It's something that we need to be wrestling with. And so, uh, man, the what could happen if we did that? Yeah. Hey, let's go back three weeks to what Mordecai said. Who knows? Who knows knows what God It's why we're doing this exile series, man. I'm really enjoying it. Yep. Same here. Well, hey, thanks for listening on Sermon Notes. And we'll take on Daniel 2 along with 7 and 8 next week. If you're wondering why we're looping those together, you can go back and listen to the intro. And we'll look forward to talking then on Sermon Notes.